Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at a table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, joined today by the great, the beloved, the Tally Coughlin. The Tally. The Tally. (laughs) And, uh... It's a it's it's a noun in another It's now become a noun. Yeah, yes, indeed. I love it. It's like a title, <laughs> oh a tally. And uh, we are in Matthew nine, uh, continuing on through. And uh, you know, Jesus' ministry it's it's starting. We're feeling the tension. We're feeling the tension get a little bit uh, more and more heated around this Jesus figure who uh, who's doing these amazing things. He's winning the hearts of many. Uh, there's all these rumors and stories that are just flooding through these different regions um, of this part of the world of, of the things that he's doing. And uh, he's not really who the Pharisees, you know, want around. They they don't like this guy, the scribes, the Pharisees. And so um, Jesus' ministry goes on, though, and uh, we start to see some more like outright tension beginning to play out. Um, in both this healing of the paralytic and then um, this passage where Jesus calls Matthew. I love both of these sort yeah. of instances. So Tally, um, tell us, help, help, help me understand, what do you see going on here? And um, yeah, what, what's happening in Matthew 9? Um, well, it's so interesting. You know, the there's been several mentions prior to Matthew 9, 1 through 13, where mm-hmm. we hear of Jesus hearing many the sick the infirmed, but this is like the first time that it's mentioned that he touches them, that mm. it's his touch that is causing the healing and that he is entering into uh, what makes them untouchable, their uncleanliness. Um, we'll get to that later on as we dig deeper into this chapter, but um, Jesus throughout nine and is touching those who are other who are Mm. outside, who are not welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's also important, and I know you've already said this in studying this passage, remember who Matthew's writing to. Mm. What's the emphasis that he's making? Because 
a lot of what we read here is also mentioned in Mark and it's mentioned in Luke mm -hmm. and there's more detail in some of those than there is here. And so mm -hmm. I find it just a helpful lens to put back on my um, interpretive grid of what is Matthew trying to convey and who is he writing to? Well, he's writing to the Jews. Mm -hmm. And so there's things, there's themes throughout the next few bits here about the Jewish law and their obsession with cleanliness, mm -hmm. their obsession yep. with the law. And so um, I think it's also interesting as we look at these next few passages to realize that there's a, there's a cadence in Matthew of macro of like, and Jesus was healing the multitudes and he was traveling through the town and then a micro view of conversations mm -hmm. that are happening. And so here, you know, we're seeing a micro view uh, where we read of friends who have faith for mm -hmm. their their brother to be healed and then a micro conversation with the Pharisees mm -hmm. of what they're thinking and Jesus's response to them. So that's just something I noticed at, at a, like a bigger, a bigger view um, of it. But um, yeah, those are just a few couple things. I think it's important to read the gospels all together. So if you have time, I think read Mark two and Luke five, because mm -hmm. we learn a bit more detail that gives it a more colorful picture yeah. than this short story here. Um, it's just helpful. fills it out. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I do love, uh, you know, there's a, there, there's a few different books written by like lawyers and trial judges and stuff who, um, or, you know, I think of a uh, Lee Strobel, the case for yeah. Christ, mm -hmm. um, and people who came at Christianity as atheists or agnostic or whatever, um, with this, like seek, seeking to disprove but one of the the things that they find um as they investigate the claims of the bible is there's all these different eyewitness accounts yeah. in the three synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke uh they provide these different angles and there's actually kind of like varying details yeah. which i think at first can be like whoa mm -hmm. what's going on here is this like not trustworthy right but it's actually, uh, you know, it, it kind of underlines the like humanity yeah. of yeah. these gospel accounts. Well, yeah. Think about any time you tell a story and two people were telling the same story about the <laughs> same event. It has slight variances exactly. in what you're retelling because exactly. you see it differently. That's human. That's normal. Exactly. We shouldn't expect each book to be a carbon copy of the last. Yeah. And, and it is a helpful, you know, this is kind of like a side note, but just in understanding the inspiration of scripture. Um, I think we can like wrongly understand uh, the inspiration of scripture as like these biblical authors sat down at a table yes. with a scroll <laughs> and then they're like eyes rolled back into their head and they're like hand oh, is man. moving while they're in this hypnotic state. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit was just working through the right. grimy communication yeah. of humans, which is, you know, riddled with beauty yeah. and grammatical errors and all this sort of <laughs> lack stuff. Of, lack of commas. Exactly. Exactly. Read Paul. <laughs> exactly. Read Paul. Run on sentences the run on for sentences days. Abound. <laughs> but anyways, so I, I love that. Um, cause yeah, this, this story seems to be the same kind of, uh, instance, the paralytic where, uh, where they tear off the roof, um, yep. in other gospel accounts yeah. and, and lower him in. And Matthew leaves out that detail. But anyways, so I, I think one of the things, though, that we, we've talked about a little bit is why is Jesus performing all these miracles? Yeah. Is he just like having fun, like doing tricks in flexing the skate park? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> flexing his power, 
before, mm. uh, you know, before going to meet death and conquer it? Like, is it like this WWE walk up where he's like flexing and, you know, breaking folding chairs? And I think, no, not at all. There's actually deep significance. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about is he's fulfilling prophecy. Right. Um, and, you know, he's like Matthew especially is is letting that like be very clear in yeah, his account that definitely. this is all to fulfill these prophecies. But also, you know, what we see here is Jesus is using his outward healing ministry and like his, his physical ministry uh, as like a proof mm-hmm. or as a reflection, a tangible reflection of his spiritual ministry. Yeah. And we see that in this story where he's like, you know, the, the scribes, uh, they, they take offense that Jesus is offering forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus says, you know, basically like, well, what's more amazing, like me saying his sins are forgiven or telling him to get up and walk, but so that, you know, I have authority to forgive sins, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And so it's like this confirmation of his ministry and his identity. Well, and his authority, because one cannot prove the forgiveness of sins until that judgment day before the Lord. Exactly. And so he's saying, you know, sure, you can challenge me on being able to say, I forgive your sins. And then they did by saying he was a blasphemer. But the fact that he had the authority over his physical self proves the authority over both areas. Mm -hmm. But you're so right. I mean, I think it's important to note Matthew is pointing to the Old Testament for the sake of the Jews to see the fulfillment that Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 35, five through six says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. And so we Mm -hmm. read here, Jesus is fulfilling this. And these Jews and these Pharisees knew Isaiah. They knew these verses. They could recite them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. Jesus doing these things should be firing off a recollection of, wait, what's happening? Yeah. Is this it? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I love too that, you know, Jesus says he, knowing their thoughts yes. said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Yes. And I just love that, that note so of good. Jesus is he perceives the thoughts and intentions of their heart. Yeah. And I think that underlines his authority. Um, and you know, just his, his identity is the son of God, you yeah. know, he is God yeah. as man. Yeah. Um, so then moving onward, he, he passed from there and, you know, if he couldn't get in worse graces with the scribes <laughs> and, you know, the Jewish religious authorities, he calls a man named Matthew who is sitting at a tax booth. Yeah. Um, and then this tax collector, uh, very excited at the opportunity and prospect of following Jesus, actually invites Jesus over for a dinner party with all his tax collector yeah, and sinning friends. Yeah. And this puts uh, Jesus's reputation in some very hot water, yeah. uh, you know, which he replies to with this just powerful, powerful yep. teaching that I didn't come for the righteous, I came for sinners. Yeah. Um, which, of course, there's an irony there because no one is, is righteous, no, not one, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so it's really just those who let out, let go of the illusion of their righteousness, yeah. and you know, just see themselves covered in their own sin, yeah. needing a savior. Um, but this tax collector identity is, is, you know, I think I spent most of my life just thinking like, 
oh yeah i mean everyone hates taxes so like who who likes tax collectors you know me as like an eight-year-old like who's never paid a tax in his life but uh but you know it's like taxes no one likes taxes so i guess matthew's like not great because like yeah but you know and i think a lot of us might know this but you know a tax collector is someone who has sided with rome Mm mm-hmm uh, it's like a, it's a the Jewish person. Exactly. To side with Rome. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, a Jewish person who's defected from their, you know, identity as a child of Abraham. and But the, their identity as oppressed as well. Yes. They're not just their yes. identity with Abraham, but they are, they are saying, I am not going to be like you, the oppressed of Rome. Mm. I'm going yeah. to align myself and be a collaborator with, um, and be a taker from you yes. and take advantage of you. Yes. So, you know, I, I took a film history Ooh. class in college, which was amazing. Um, and one of the things that was really fascinating was studying the Red Scare in Hollywood. Mm. And, uh, you know, basically following the Second World War, um, people were not high on communism. Yeah. And uh, dictators and whatnot, yeah. and patriotism was at an all-time high, right. and and uh, which is ironic because like we don't really think of Hollywood nowadays as like the bastion of like patriotic, like you know whatever, but it was uh, at that time, and obviously very PR driven, and so there was this big scare of like there are people with communist thoughts in America, and we got to get them you know, we cannot let them have any sort of public influence or public sway. And so there were these actors um, who, you know, some of them actually did have, you know, sort of communist involvement. Some of them didn't, but there was like this witch hunt. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, people who think cancel culture is new, it's like, (laughs) you're just wrong. It's been around (laughs) forever. And, but this is an instance of it. And they would investigate these people and find these people and string them up, you know, yeah. who who had like communist thought and ruined their career, yeah. ruined their life. And so this is similar, but even more escalated than like Jesus in the 1950s in America, mm. like finding a leader of the communist party in America. Mm. Like it, it's someone who's totally, totally just skewered their, their natural ethnic identity and it has joined the oppressor yeah and that's who jesus takes in but also you know we know that like simon peter who's like a zealot and there's simon the zealot yeah jesus has these like hebrew zealots who are part of the they want jesus to like rise up and destroy rome yeah you have matthew who actually sided with rome and i think what's so profound about the apostles is there's this like great political discord in yeah. all their backgrounds so what Probably are your thoughts aw- on that awkward introductions I'm oh, sure. oh yeah yeah <laughs> hey guys i, I want to introduce you to my friends parties. here Matthew, <laughs> yeah yeah who, exactly. you, who probably took money from you when he taxed <laughs> oh, you man. a few days ago oh man oh yeah. man you know it's amazing though too like i love that matthew uh brought jesus or invited him into a party with all of his friends because he probably had to make new friends <laughs> all of his friends were outsiders all of his friends were unwanted by the jews all of them were viewed as distrustworthy and so and i love that jesus was like yeah man 
Why not? Yeah. Let's, Sounds like you're a party. the very ones I came to save. Like, of yeah. course I'll be with you. Um, and I just love the heart of Jesus. I, I love that he goes where, you know, I, I want to think of myself being like him, that of course I'd go to the party, but I'm not. I would be like, I'm not sure we should go there, Jesus. Like, I don't know if we can trust them. I don't want to be seen with them. Like, that would be my heart towards yeah. Matthew. I know it. Yeah. I would have been very suspicious of him. And yet Jesus demonstrates such love and compassion that he called him yeah. and loved him. And, and not just that, Matthew was like one of his inner, like, not the inner, but he was a close kindred with him. He broke bread with him daily. Like yeah. it was um, not just a come follow me. And he was still on the outside. He was come follow me and be by my side. Yeah. Well, and you know, he, he doesn't just say like, Hey Matthew, your sins are forgiven, but it's this like, come and follow me. Like he makes him an apprentice, yeah. you know, he makes yeah. him a disciple, which puts him on equal footing with all of the other disciples oh, yeah. who likely thought themselves in a much more elevated position, even though they were just fishermen or had, you know, varying trades, like a tax collector was not on the same footing. Financially different footing, obviously, but in this Jewish social circle, very different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I my mom actually kind of like opened my eyes to this. Um, and she's an amazing woman. But, you know, I, I grew up in like in Birmingham. So like red, white, and blue, God's country, like American yes. Christianity the 4th of July church services and all, all the, all the good stuff. And, uh, so it's easy to like come up with the idea that if Jesus was with us now mm-hmm. and like chose his disciples now, like this is what the posse would look like. Yeah. And one of the things I think it was like around, it, it was somewhere in the like 2016 to 2020 corridor, you know, where it's like America, you just have like, you have, the Trump movement, you have the Black Lives Matter movement, you have Antifa, you have all, everything kind of coming to a head. And my mom was studying the Gospels, and like one of the things that she uh, she said to me that just struck me as so profound is, if Jesus came today, I think he would have like he would have Trump supporters and Antifa supporters and, and all these different people yeah. following him around because that's like what we see. Hmm. And uh, I just love that because I think what it underpins is a these these disciples don't stay the same mm, as they follow good. Jesus, and yeah. that's like important to know. Totally, is they have a new identity, they have a new agenda that Jesus gives them. Mm. So it's not just this place of mild tolerance of whatever you want to believe in right. and act, but it's actually yeah. a new ambition and a new agenda. Yeah. Um. But then on top of that, it's like that's what the church should look like: is a place where people have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. except that they've they've encountered Jesus right. and therefore they have everything in that's common. That's right. That's good. On paper, it doesn't make sense, but that's not how we should look at it. It's Amen. through the lens of the gospel. I do like how Jesus talks about being a physician to those who are sick. The, I think the, the Pharisees wanted to be the phys- the great physicians. Mm-hmm. They thought they had the tools through the mm-hmm. law of you know prescribing what to do to be healed, but they didn't want to get near to the sick. Mm. They didn't want to be infected by the sick. They didn't want to touch the sick. So they they had these rules, but they could, were limited in what they would use them for. Yeah. Um and Jesus came to be with those who the righteous, quote unquote, thought were distasteful. Um, especially because they thought they knew everything. And I like how Jesus says, like, think on, how does he say it? What's the verse? Um, 
go and learn what this means. Yeah. In verse 13, he's basically saying a quote to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, now go learn what this actually means. <laughs> he's like, you think you know, but yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Go take a minute and go study this. It's like the teacher being like, um, yeah. failed the test, go back and study and let me know if you're I, ready for a I, retake. I was about to say, and then we probably need to land the plane, but I was going to yeah. say, what a, you know, there are just so many awesome cold-blooded Jesus moments. <laughs> And what a great, like, hey, guys, here's your homework. See you tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. I it love it. Yes. I love it. The class is dismissed. The class is dismissed. <laughs> and thus he sends the scribes away. That's good. Well, it's been, a, it's been a great day with the gracious, compassionate, strange, uh, spunky Jesus for you. <laughs> so for the great Tally Coughlin, the Tally, this is Will Carlisle, and we'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404 404- 465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.